MSW Media. And now, here's the universe letting us know it really doesn't want us to have a promo from Pitbull. I was wondering if you could do me one quick favor, say, hey, this is Pitbull, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Hello, Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it's... Oh. It's official. What are we drinking? By the way, you dropped out. Dunn? You dropped out for a second there. I'm saying, if your, your phone went out. Let's try it one more time. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. Play with it. Darling. Yeah. <laughs> I think the universe does not want you to promote my show. Every time you do it, it keeps dropping out. No. But don't, don't worry about it, man. One more time, Chico. <laughs> we'll, we'll do one, no, more time. one more time, Chico. One, yeah. one more time. I'll try one more time. Right? Right, here we go. I'm going to try one more time. That little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and it's official. You are listening to What Are We Drinking with Dan Dunn. You game, play with it. Yeah! <laughs> That's good, man. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. Well, this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Pitbull. The Pitbull. As if there's any other Pitbull. He's going to be on the next episode, the very next episode of this show featuring Pitbull, who's got a new partnership with Espanita Tequila. We're going to be having that. I'm excited about it. I was supposed to take a vacation this week. I was going to take the week off and I just couldn't. I can't quit you. I can't quit you. So I'm going to put out this little short episode just to kind of keep us linked this week. I feel it's important to maintain our connection I host a weekly thing for Flaviar. Flaviar is a, a quarterly subscription service. And I host a weekly show called The Nightcap Live. We do it on their YouTube channel. And I've gotten to talk to a lot of really cool people on that show over the last five or six months. And so on this episode, I'm going to run a couple of snippets from some of those interviews, just two of them in particular. Mark Summers, the great Mark Summers, the host of Double Dare. Come on, we all remember Double Dare when we were kids. And also Tracy Tudor from Million Dollar Listings LA. Just a little short snippets from some interviews from that Nightcap Live interview. I did I did one with Mark, I don't know, maybe two months ago, and Tracy was like two and a half months ago. So we're going to do that. But first, I have been on this kick lately where I'm just nostalgic about the days when I could go out, when we could go out. We could go to bars. Bars. <laughs> And hear the sounds of a bar. Yeah, like that. Oh, that sound. I miss that one so much. I miss this one. Oh, yeah. And then after I've been at the bar too long, I miss this sound. Because yeah, I always drop shit. So this is a story that happened in a bar a while back. And it's about meeting one of my heroes. And I thought I'd kick off the show with this. It was 2003. And I was, I was hunkered down at a crowded bar in Montecito, California. It's up Santa Barbara way. I was minding my own business, making love to a tonic and gin. And all of a sudden, a guy tried to squeeze between me and my neighbor to grab a drink. 
And I was slightly annoyed because I need my space when I hunker. So I turned to see this sizable set of choppers that could only belong to one man, Lonesome George, the Delaware Destroyer. George goddamn Thoroughgood. You're George Thoroughgood, I helpfully reminded him. And yes, sir, I am, he replied with a toothy grin. And wow, I said. I was feeling so poetic. Please know that this wow is not one of apathy, but of awe. George Thurgood is one of my heroes, up alongside Sinatra, Tom Waits, and the replacements in the pantheon of songsmiths who played pivotal roles in my relationship with alcohol. My late grandfather, who immigrated to Philly from Italy, worshipped Sinatra. Poppy and I used to listen to his paisano for hours on end in the family room in the basement of my grandparents' house, where a black velvet painting of Sinatra pouring himself a glass of Jack Daniels was displayed prominently next to a smaller photo of Pope Paul VI. Now, Velvet Sinatra was pure kitsch, but to me that painting might as well have been the Mona Lisa. Something about that black and white bottle in Sinatra's right hand just stuck with me. Little did I know it, but that was my first encounter with an influencer. Or should I say an under-the-influencer? There would be many more to come. Next came Kiss and Cold Gin. The lyrics, the cheapest stuff is all I need to get me back on my feet again. It was Alabama song by The Doors, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville. These were the booze-soaked tunes that got my mother through Philadelphia in the 70s, where music was as close as we were going to get to watching the sun bake while nibbling on sponge cake. As a teenager in the mid-80s, I discovered the replacements and instantly clicked with Here Comes a Regular, a drunkard's lament about the grim reality of the lonely people in a neighborhood dive. I was in love. The Piano Has Been Drinking by Tom Waits inspired a yearning to find a bar where stools catch fire, the jukebox takes a leak, and the bouncer is a sumo wrestler cream pup caster milk toast. Over the years, I've found a few. Around that time, I also discovered the Pogue Streams of Whiskey, Brass Monkey by the Beastie Boys, and Merle Haggard's I Think I'll Just Stay Here and Drink. It was music to drink to, sure, but it was more than that. It was an ethos, a way of life. And for every misty romanization, there was a warts first look at the perils ready to stick you with a broken bottle. And now here I was, face to face with the man who penned the immortal words, when I drink alone, I prefer to be by myself. And I had replied with the immortal word, wow. And now he was ordering. I could feel the moment slipping away. I had to do something. Snap out of it, done. So I said, hey, George, you think I could buy you that drink? And he fixed me with a look that said he was a man who didn't need things bought for him. So I told him it would mean a lot to me. Well, when you put it that way, how can I refuse? Which is how I got a chance to tell George Thorogood about the time I saw one of his concerts during my senior year in high school. That night, you might say, I got caught up in the spirits of things, causing me to sleep until noon the next day and miss school. There was hell to pay when my mom found out, but it was worth it. I'd seen Thorogood sing I Drink Alone in the Flesh. I had glimpsed my future. So you cut school to see my show, huh, he asked. I nodded. And I thought I was bad to the bone, he said with a smile. Then he thanked the bartender for his scotch and split. I remember exactly what I ordered next. One bourbon and one beer. And I drank them just the way I like. Alone. All right. As promised... I talked to Mark Summers. Come on, Mark Summers, Double Dare. Amazing show. 
This is Mark talking about doing the show, the production of Double Dare. Let's give a listen, Joey. Do you get a lot of people coming up to you from back in the day that are now fully formed adult human beings going, <laughs> I, I grew up with you? Yeah, we just did a, uh, you know, Double Dare came back. We shot uh, 60 new episodes uh, for Nickelodeon. I was uh, exec producer and uh, the sidekick to a lady by the name of Liza Koshy uh, because they thought I was too old. Uh, we can have another conversation about that. But uh, I took it on the road and we uh, did uh, 70 personal appearances over 18 months, which we just shut down in December. And uh, we were filling three, four, five thousand seat arenas. And it was mostly, I was going to say, 50, 60 percent. Uh, grown-ups dragging their kids along because they wanted to relive their childhood and have their kids experience what they experienced. So, uh, yeah, more adults than kids, actually. I'm still stuck on the fact that, are you suggesting that Hollywood is a, cares about age, Mark? Are you saying <laughs> since when? Yeah, it was, it, let me just say that uh, one day uh, the person I just mentioned uh, got a little sick and I filled in and the ratings went up 25%. So you would have thought they would have looked at those numbers and said, oh, my gosh, maybe we should put him back on. But, hey, you know, what's done is done. And uh, I'm, I'm perfectly happy up here in Santa Barbara. No problem. Trust me. Well, I'm, I'm a, you know, I write and I, I've had some Hollywood projects go. And I've had my manager say, yeah, you need to probably fudge your age a little. And I'm like, but I'm the writer. I'm not even yeah. on camera. You know, it's like, yeah, but they care. <laughs> Why? Why do they I'm care? So it's the only business in in the world that the more experience you have, the less they want you. So, uh, you know, get used to it. Trust me. Yeah. Well, I know there's some young whippersnapper out there right now looking at me going, someday I'll have that job. <laughs> All right. So here it is. I, 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 I can't well, let me One thing. Do you remember the uh, uh, comedian Jack Benny? Yes. Okay. So Jack Benny always claimed he was 39 years old. And the reason that was, even back in the 40s and 50s, was... When you were 40 years old back then, they thought your career was over with. So he started it off as a joke, and it became a signature piece for him. But that's how it all started. And even back that many years ago, the reason Jack Benny claimed to be 39 all the time is if you were 40, you were done. So it's been going on forever. By the way, the fact that you asked me if I knew who Jack Benny is, and I said, yes, my career is over now. That, that video <laughs> exists. Like, he knows who Jack Benny is. Screw that guy. Never working with him. I was at NBC not too long ago pitching a show. And there was a kid across the table, and I mentioned Johnny Carson, and he kind of went, and I said, you don't know who Johnny Carson is? And he said, I've heard of him. So, you know, I wanted to shoot myself in the head at that point, but that's a real story. Oh, I was in a, uh, before the quarantine happened, I was in a bar in Venice, and uh, Hey Jude came on, the jukebox, and there were a couple of young ladies there, and probably early 20s, and somebody said, you, you know who this is, and not, not a one of them knew who not it was. Nobody knew. Hey, Jude. Folks, I've never admitted this on the show before, but I'm a guy. Yeah, it's true. And as a guy, I'm here to tell you that so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. That's why when we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. Keeps treatments typically take between four to six months to see results, so it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Treatments start at just $10 per month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. That's right, free. How? 
Well, if you're ready to take action, prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash drinking to receive your first month of treatment for free. Take care of your hair and your hair will take care of you. He is the most interesting man in the world. Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I mean, I'm, you know, mildly interesting. So, Pitbull, next episode. Pitbull, I can't wait for this one. This is one of, one of the episodes I'm most excited about. And he, I already spoke with him, and he's a really fascinating guy, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Speaking of fascinating in her own right, I mentioned Tracy Tudor, Million Dollar Listings. Had her on. We were drinking cognac. I don't think Tracy really liked the cognac too much, but um, she gave it a try. And at one point during our conversation, again, this was for Flaviar's Nightcap Live, and I invite you to check that out. But at one point, we kind of got into how Tracy ended up where she did on this on this wildly successful show and and also being wildly successful at selling real estate. And here's a little snippet from that. Uh, did you gradually work up from lower cost homes to the big leagues? If so, how much was your f- first sale worth the house? I, You know what's so crazy is everybody has this like memory of their first sale. I don't know if I smoked too much pot in college or what, but I like don't remember my first sale, but I guarantee you it was, in the under $2 million price point. And it was a friend doing me a favor on some level, but no, I didn't have, I didn't come out of the gate swinging at $30 million properties, not by a long shot. So it it, it started, I built it. And then I had my first major sale, probably four years, three or four years in it, a little over 30 million. What do you do when you close that deal? You buy you no, know, what, what's the celebration like? I bought a Rolex. You yeah. Did. All right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, first of all, I was an actor. I thought I was going to be, you know, on stage and in the theater for the rest of my life. And I never anticipated making any real money. So what I didn't connect the dots on was the whole sales thing of selling yourself as an actor and selling in real estate is not that different. So that's when I connected the dots and and became successful. And was there anything, was there in a moment where you felt like bad about giving up acting? No, I had a, like I had a couple of successful actor friends and I remember having a conversation with one of them and I went to USC with her and we studied theater and she studied film and was on a huge show called Wasteland back in the day. And I said like, what's it like? Like you're killing it. You're on the show. You're doing all this stuff. And uh, she's like, it's not like, you know, that creative space that we're used to to living in and it's a business and it's long hours and super political and a lot of drama and a lot of ego. And I was like, Oh shit. So as I'm waiting tables and grinding, because I feel like I have to put that time in and that grit that we were talking about earlier, even though I, you know, I just felt like I had to put those hours in and I just woke up and I said, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I, I want to be financially independent. I want to, I want to do something else. And then lo and behold, you know, here I am later, like 20 years later on a TV show. 
I just love mixing my stuff. Let me do yeah, no, the guitar doesn't work. Just keep it right there. In fact, I think this is where we'll probably get out of here today. I want to thank you for tuning in as always. I know it was a short episode, but like I said, I was supposed to be on vacation this week. Give me a give me a break. We'll thank Tracy Tudor, Mark Summers, and George Thorogood for all those many years, that great memory from many, many years ago. As mentioned numerous times, Pitbull's on the next episode. I hope you tune in for that. And I invite you to follow me at The Imbiber on Instagram and Twitter. Please weigh in with questions and comments. I'm happy to engage. I like to do it. And please be safe out there. 